listening to the Past the Forecast podcast from Wayne 15. Hey there, I'm Adam Salarzik. And I'm Joe Struess. And we are meteorologists at Wayne 15 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And this is the Past the Forecast podcast. Yes, it is. And unfortunately, the timing of this podcast is right after a major tornado uh, went through a major city here in the country. Yeah, you know, you come into this podcast and you want to have a lot of energy and have a lot of interesting things to talk about. And yeah, we come in on a somber note today. Uh, The city of Nashville really took a direct hit from a violent tornado. Multiple tornadoes, potentially. They're still doing uh, their, their debris and their analysis of the track of the major tornado that caused most of the damage, and they're trying to determine if it was one tornado that kept picking up and touching back down, or if it was several tornadoes, uh, or, mul- or not several, multiple tornadoes that made its way through. Yeah, you know, we go to school because we have an interest in weather, and one thing we certainly love to learn about is tornadoes and tornado genesis, how tornadoes come to be. It keeps us interested. That's, I think, a lot of us severe weather growing up in the Midwest, that's where we kind of get drawn to the meteorological profession. But this, this is ugly. Mother Nature's pretty cool, but when stuff like this happens, it's disgusting. Uh, the, the, fatal- the fatalities keep rising. There are over 20 last I saw. As of recording this at Wednesday. Early, uh, late morning, early afternoon. Early Wednesday. We've seen over 20 fatalities. That number's continue to rise tons of injuries and a just unprecedented amount of damage yeah and and probably one of the biggest things that i have noticed with this storm is the timing of it the timing of this storm was at the worst time for us meteorologists we fear these kinds of events whenever everybody most people not everybody most people are in bed and fast asleep. Yeah, nighttime event, tornado, that happens in a populated area. That is the worst case scenario because how do you get the word out to people who are asleep? A lot of times you talk about summer severe thunderstorms. If you get one in the afternoon, people visually see the skies darkening. Maybe they can hear the roaring wind. They can see the lightning. They can see it coming towards them. But if you're in your house at night and you hear, I've got a tornado warning, you're maybe going to seek shelter. But if you're asleep, how are you going to hear that warning? You don't see it coming towards you in the darkness of the night. And that is one of the big challenges for us as broadcast meteorologists is how do we stress to you that you need to stay abreast to changing weather conditions at night? And one of those tools is something that we do here in Fort Wayne, uh, a giveaway it's not a giveaway. It's, it's we program these. You, you go out and you purchase a weather radio, and we will program the weather radio for you and your area and surrounding counties, whichever ones you want, uh, to be a, aware of the changing weather conditions. These things, in my opinion, need to be treated almost like smoke detectors. You have fire alarms in your house just in case. It's a $30 investment to get a weather radio that will alert you with a very loud alarm tone in the middle of the night if there is a severe thunderstorm warning 
and tornado warnings and any other warnings that you want it to be programmed for so you're aware that these things are coming your way and you can take shelter and that way you're awake. Yeah, just disgusting. Just disgusting. The pictures coming out of Nashville. You can't help but just sit back and and think about the people there that have been impacted. Um, We see it time and time again with Mother Nature, whether it be hurricanes or extreme snowstorms. But there's something about those damaged photos or the damaged video we've seen, a lot of drone video coming out of Nashville. Um, You just can't. You just can't process it. It's as ugly as it gets. Yeah, it, the highest rated right now from the survey team is an EF3 with 160 mile per hour uh, winds estimated right now. And that's all based off of the damage that they see. So there's certain scales. If a home is completely blown off of its foundation, that's typically EF5. But you also have to take into account the the integrity and the structure of these buildings that might not be built for that kind of damage and prepared for that. Homes in Oklahoma are rated for tornado damage, but some of these homes that some of the that may have been impacted in Nashville, uh, here we don't know, but the National Weather Service is finding out those details on the structural integrity of these homes and how they faced up against this damage that they received. So a couple points here. Let's start broad scale. You've heard Tornado Alley. Think about the Great Plains, the Northern Great Plains, all the way to the Southern Great Plains through Texas. And then you've heard of Dixie Alley. Think of the Arklatex. Think of Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, right? Nashville's in Dixie Alley. Mm -hmm. These are two separate areas that see a ton of severe weather throughout the year. Not only in the spring, but it can happen in these locations 365 days a year. When it happens in Tornado Alley, when it happens in the Great Plains, it's a lot less populated across those states. Sure, you have your highly populated areas, the Dallas Metro, Oklahoma City. You may have Tulsa. But the general area there is a lot less populated than what it is when you get into the Dixie Alley areas. Yeah. So if a severe weather event's going to occur, generally there may be many tornadoes in the summer that maybe go unknown sometimes. Yeah, unreported, and, and that is the case for many, several tornadoes that happen during the summer months in the plains. In the plains. But when they're rolling through Dixie Alley, there's a lot more infrastructure there in place. Dixie Alley is a place you, you're down there. You really got to stay weather aware. Higher population, more infrastructure, and then you add in these nocturnal, these nighttime events, and it's a recipe for disaster. And that's not even talking about the myths of, oh, yeah, a tornado can't hit a major city. That's just the large-scale geographical breakdown of it. Now let's talk about some of those myths. Okay, you just saw a tornado hit a major city. Yeah, and this isn't the only one. There, there have been recent ones in the last several years. Joplin, uh, Missouri, got hit uh, not that long ago. That was a few years back. Uh, then you had uh, Moore, Oklahoma, which is a major city uh, just outside of Oklahoma City. Dallas. Last year we had tornadoes rolling through, I believe it was the north side of Dallas. There was a Cowboys game going on. The myth that we're in a major city 
and we can't see a, a major tornado or severe weather event is completely false. And I hope, my hope is that while this has been an absolute terrible tragedy for the people there, my hope is that people around the region are taking note of this and saying, wait a minute, this can happen here. So what do I need to do to be prepared? Because yes. you have to take this stuff seriously. And that goes back to weather radios. And technology these days, you can set up alerts on your phone. I know here at Wayne 15, we have text alerts that every time there's a warning issued, we will text you it. Uh, and you can personalize those alerts. So if you don't want to know about a flash flood warning, which would be nice to know about in my personal opinion, then you don't have to have it set for that. But you can have it set for severe thunderstorm warnings and for tornado warnings set in your area. So you just you can personalize things on your phone, and there's other services that do that. You can get different weather apps that do that for you, whether that be your local news app, uh, the Wayne Weather app that we have here, or if that be you sign up through a website. There's multiple sources to get your alerts, and I'm still going to keep banging on the drum of a weather radio is something that you need to have in your home, especially if you're in one of these severe weather prone areas, Dixie Alley or Tornado Alley in the Great Plains, that you need to make sure you're weather aware. It's us here in Fort Wayne too. Yes. I would say if you go on the street here in Fort Wayne and ask some people, hey, are you concerned about severe weather? The number one response we've gotten here in Fort Wayne time and time again is, well, the storm systems, they all die out before they get here to Fort Wayne. Well, no, we're, we're, in, a, we're in a city here. There's rivers around the city. There, there can't be a tornado here. That's Seriously? Not true. Because we almost saw it last year. We were very lucky here in Fort Wayne on Memorial Day whenever we had uh, three tornado warnings at three different times for our viewing area, uh, for three separate areas. It was crazy and they were getting closer and closer to Allen County and yes we were fortunate here in Allen County that they uh, broke up and they weakened slightly before they got here so there were no, no tornado warnings but just off towards Salina they had an EF3 Dayton Ohio yeah this isn't the first time something like this has happened so it's just something that we're going to probably continually talk about as these events unfortunately happen but that's the point of this uh, this weather podcast is to dig in and break down why? And, and one of my least favorite things is whenever uh, people complain about us breaking into programming. Uh, we didn't get to see the end of The Bachelor. That's not our, not our job to make sure you get to see the end of your favorite TV show. Oh, we're both Survivor fans. We would much rather be watching and enjoying Survivor than having to cut in and interrupt that. But we know that we can go back and we can find it online and watch it again. Yeah, but when you wake up to the news, how many people died? Doesn't it seem kind of, I don't, it, it seems pretty It's It's selfish. Yeah. yeah, it's selfish to, to, to complain about it. And the we fortunately have not received a lot of it, yeah. a lot of the, the flack from viewers. But I saw it happening the other day. People down in the south where the severe weather was rolling through constantly complaining a couple of years ago there was a big severe weather event going through indianapolis you couldn't believe the tweets and facebook messages those broadcast meteorologists were getting down there turn this off it's not raining in my backyard i want to watch the cubs game it, it it's just like you said selfish to uh, assume that the weather is revolving around you when there are other people being impacted by it and you saw it in this event 
And I think yesterday was probably a tough day, not for just the meteorologists that worked the event, but for all of us in the industry, because we all look back at that event and say, man, if I was in that situation, what would have I have done? What would I do when there's reports of fatalities coming in? We, we take that stuff hard to heart. in this industry. Like we feel responsible for every single life in our viewing area to make sure that everybody is aware of what's going on. All right. And uh, with that, with that, let's let's get on to some happier thoughts. But seriously, thoughts, prayers with the people down in Nashville and everyone who was impacted by this last round of severe weather. We're getting into the spring season, so likely to see a lot more of this developing. But uh, yeah, let's try and transition to some warmer, happier thoughts as we track the topics tracking the topics tracking the topics we just entered meteorological spring so we ended meteorological winter which is december 1st through february 29th this year and it was the ninth warmest winter in terms of temperatures and for no surprise as a result of the warmer temperatures we were about 10 inches below average for our snowfall Boo. for the winter months. It's been well documented that Joe loves snow. Now that winter, meteorological winter is officially over, how do you feel? Well, uh, there was a couple couple things with this winter that really stood out to me. Number one, what a challenge from a forecast perspective. It seemed as though we never had one winter weather event that came all as snow or stayed as all rain. Now, obviously, we talk time and time again. There's going to be mixing in there where sometimes we get freezing rain, sometimes we get sleet. But this winter was particularly challenging because every single round of wintry weather we had come through here was right on that border where temperatures were just near, above, or just below freezing. The freezing mark at 32 degrees. And that meant it wasn't always going to fall as snow. A lot of these events fell as sleet. So you're trying to put out a snow forecast. That's been kind of a challenge. I would say this was probably... Just in my few years of looking back at winter forecasting, this one was really tough it across was the board. It was incredibly difficult. It took me back to my days in Texas when we would occasionally get mixing events down there. And you mentioned the word snow in San Angelo, Texas, and everybody loses their minds. And then you have to sit there and be like, it's not just going to be snow, guys. Unfortunately, it's going to be mixing in with ice and sleet, which, in my opinion, makes it much more treacherous to travel once you start to mix in ice. Snow can give you a little bit of friction at least, but you're sliding on ice. You got you got no hope if you've never driven on it. Yeah, so very tough winter to forecast. One where we didn't have a lot of events, but the ones that came through were very challenging. On the flip side, how about those temperatures? I personally was not complaining. I, I enjoy fall-like temperatures. Fall is my favorite season. Spring is nice too, even though it leads into some big-time heat as we get into the summer uh, and can get a little bit too warm for my liking, no matter pretty much where I live. Uh, but the the mild temperatures where we saw stretches in the 40s and 50s, I mean, for me personally, that's when I look best in my wardrobe. Okay. I, I, I like my note of that. I like my fall and my spring uh, my spring clothing. Uh, I, get I think the hoodie that, out? Yeah, hoodies, sweaters. I think I look good in that, so I enjoy being able to wear those and don't always have to wear a jacket to cover up my outfit. Oh, you should take that up with Mother Nature so you can get your uh, your prime <laughs> looking good weather. Uh, for me, I just I look back at this winter and three things stood out. Yes, it was a challenge to forecast, but the temperatures, you and I had a great, great time on January 2nd out at a golf course, a local golf course. 
Yeah, we were golfing on January 2nd. That was bizarre to me that we were able to get that done. Uh, we haven't been since because after that we've had several events that have come in and out and we've had rain and snow and the course gets wet and you don't really want to go out there when it's wet and muddy and messy. But January 2nd was fantastic. What temperatures were in the uh, mid-40s that day, I believe? I think we were in the mid-50s. We might Low to mid-50s ah, when yeah. teed off. I think they fell back down. But you're talking January 2nd golf. That's something that golf lovers love. And there was people out that day, we were seeing pictures on social media. People were getting the grills out. Even a month later, Super Bowl Sunday, people were out grilling. So you had these swells. It was like a roller coaster of a winter where you were having 50, upper 50s, even a few 60s in there, degree days. But then you saw winter. Now, what's really interesting about this winter, we never got below zero. Yeah, we had zero days below zero. In fact, the last time we were below zero was back during that stretch last year, if you remember, whenever we had several hours below zero with near 40 below wind chills. That was quite the cold push of air. And ever since then, we've been above zero. So, yeah. And again, I'm not going to complain about it. I love winter. I would have liked to have some more cold and definitely some more snow. But when we got the chance to hit the hit the links out there, that wasn't bad. The other thing that stood out to me, and this is not a shot at Fort Wayne locals, not those who live in Allen County their whole life, uh, but what really stood out to me is, man, one inch of snow with a little bit of ice really shuts this, loc- this area down. It's almost like that's the perfect combination for dangerous travel. Yeah. It, it, you, you need a good four inches of snow to give you that, oh yeah, I know how to drive on snow. It's Whenever it's so little, you forget that it's slick. And you combine it with the lot, ice too. Yeah, exactly. So if there's a lot of snow, you, you're like, oh, I need to take my time. But if there's just a little bit of snow mixed in with a little bit of ice, you don't realize that it doesn't necessarily click in your brain that, oh, this is actually but just as dangerous as driving in four inches of snow. Yeah, and that's nothing against INDOT and the city of Fort Wayne. I thought they did a really good job prepping for the systems, um, especially the main roads that I drive. But I just couldn't believe some of the some of the drivers who I saw this winter who just really kind of took this for, for granted. And all of a sudden, they're sliding through intersections. It's like, when are you going to learn? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned uh, INDOT. I want to give them a shout-out because last week I, uh, I drove back home to Michigan during the snow that we saw on Wednesday. Uh, here we had forecasted the same amounts. We saw amounts right around four to five inches in many spots uh, across our area. The same totals were forecasted right around five inches up where my parents are just outside of Detroit. NDOT did an incredible job on I-69 and all area roadways, in fact, that I thought that it was going to be a good idea to drive home. I was like, we got the same amount of snow that we're looking for in Michigan. Uh, I'm sure it might be snowing the whole way, but the roads here are phenomenal. 69 was basically, it was just wet. It wasn't slick. It was just wet. I literally crossed the border on I-69 into Michigan. Michigan Department of Transportation did not touch their roads. It was a sheet of ice for the other four hours of my drive. It usually takes me about three hours to get home. It took me five 
And it was for the last half hour, 45 minutes, I had no lane lines at all. It was like I was calling it Mad Max. It was the, it was the Fury Road. There were semis flying by me on either side. I'm like, I have no lane. There's no groove in the snow. You try and, you know how you try right. and find that groove that that's where the cars are. I was sitting there going 35 on I-75 South. I just couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't get any traction, probably partially because my uh, tires are towards the end of their life. So that doesn't help. So make sure your tires are up. But. Get this kid some tires. I, I have them. I just need to get them put on. I was just trying to make it through the winter season. I'm right there towards the end, so I'm okay. But huge shout out to Indot. You guys did an incredible job with this last system, and you always do. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Indot's got the roads taken care of. It's just I really hope going into winter, and it's it's going to be the same thing every year. It always is. I just hope area drivers kind of take a step back next year and and see. Look, yes, the roads will be in fine condition. Uh, it doesn't mean they're not going to be slick in some spots. Yeah. So you need to still be very cautious because people get a little comfortable out there, and that leads to disasters. So that was my recap. That was my thoughts on the winters. Obviously a tough tough winter to forecast, but pretty fun. We got to do some things outdoors that we normally don't in the winter months. And then I'm just a surprise that locals couldn't uh, figure out how to drive by the end of the winter at least because we did have a couple more systems down the stretch to where you think the – the light bulb would go yeah. off. And, and we still have, in March, we still average about four inches of snow. So we're still not done with chances for snow necessarily. It's not uncommon to see a little bit of snow in March and even for April for that matter. But spring officially begins on the calendar instead of meteorological spring, which started March 1st. It officially begins on March 19th on the calendar. So warmer days are ahead. And Joe, you've picked up a new hobby that you can do when it's cold, when it's warm, it's probably the most perfect thing you can do for any weather condition, unless it's a beautiful sunny day outside and you want to get out and enjoy it. If it's too hot or too cold, what's your new hobby? So I've started bowling. <laughs> Just in the last couple of weeks, I've started uh, hitting the lanes. Try. I was here with uh, one of our directors on the weekend, and he's a huge bowler, big time, plays in a weekly w- league every every week. He, he brought his bowling balls here because he had a state tournament. and Didn't want him to get too cold. Yeah, I just I just was, hey, like, what is this all about? Because I've bowled before, but not in probably four or five years, just kind of messing around. Do with, it casually. Yeah, right, just going out there trying to figure out what is this all about. But I actually wanted to learn. So I've gone now a few times to a local bowling alley here, and uh, I have to say, what a challenging sport it really is. It's It's very much, in my mind, like golf, that – your arm motion, it's all in your arm motion and keeping that momentum right. and turning your body. It's, it's very similar in terms of the aspects of golf swings and your bowling throw. I, you, you're learning some terminology. Your form. Your form. Your form, yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I got my personal best up. Started around 80, and now I'm <laughs> up to – I got a I got a 150 game under my belt. So, so you doubled your, your – so you've only done this really – Twice, Twice, two weeks in a row. Probably about, probably about two and a half hours total. So you doubled your score already. Yep. Yeah, I have, and I, I'm hoping to continue it at that level. Um, maybe invest in some bowling shoes and a bowling ball. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We'll continue to track that topic, I guess, over the coming months because I'm kind of falling in love with it. So yeah. So I used to go whenever I was in college. We had a dollar dollar game nights on Thursday nights. So we get a group together and go. My best game, I don't even know what happened. I, I had five strikes in a row. Uh, I was 
just slowly walking the ball up there and like just making sure it went straight. Right. And I was, it was a pure release every time. I bowled a two fifteen. Wow. I I have not done the same did. since. Of course you did. No, I'm just no. That is that was out of nowhere. <laughs> it it obviously helps getting five strikes in a row, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. We're actually uh, probably going to go bowling later today, and uh, that's going to be my first time bowling probably since college. <laughs> we'll see what happens, folks. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've I've played a little bit lately, but the first few times out there each day, uh, I was lucky if I got one pin. So. We gotta see how long it takes me to warm up. We but gotta, we gotta pop up the bumpers. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, so now it's time for our typical segment, hits and misses. Hits and misses. Yeah, so hits and misses. Uh, gonna try do something a little bit different here. Uh, we've noticed that in our last couple podcasts, maybe we're getting a little too into it. Maybe we're talking a lot of number talk, and maybe it's kind of hard to follow. So we're gonna go for a more general take on this, uh, just for your listening. Pleasure. Pleasure, if you will. <laughs> uh, so let's start with the hits this past weekend. Again, we're recording this on a Wednesday every week, always on a Wednesday. So this last weekend was the last weekend of February, a leap day into March 1st. Uh, Home and Garden Show weekend in Fort Wayne for a fantastic time out there. For a fantastic fa- time Lots out there. Lots of Purell. Side note, <laughs> side note. That's right. A lot of hand sanitizer. But anybody who's listening to this that came out to the Home and Garden Show and said hello, thank you. Uh, you know, we we sit here and we talk behind microphones or we stare into a camera and present the weather, but we don't really realize that there's people there listening. It's until, nice to see. Yeah, until you come up and say hello. And even if you have some negative feedback, like some do, uh, it's just nice to know that, you know, people are interested in what we're doing and hopefully we are communicating our forecast to the public. But hits and misses. Let's talk about the hit, Adam. Yeah, our hit was our temperatures over the weekend. We were pretty good. Uh, for Saturday, we knew it was going to be colder. We had plenty of sun on Saturday. We just still had cold air really locked in. But Saturday night into Sunday was when we expected some warm air advection. And if you've been listening to the last few podcasts, we've had trouble with this recently in terms of judging how strong this warm air advection is and what the impact is going to be on our temperatures of that arrival of that warm air. And it was breezy starting Saturday night and throughout the day on Sunday from the southwest. We knew that was going to boost our temperatures, and we were right on the money. I had 50 degrees on a Saturday night for the Sunday afternoon high. Joe, you bumped it up to 52, but your reasons were good that we were already starting off on a mild note, and we already saw milder temperatures off the south. Yeah, I mean, you talk about this advection. What is what is advection? So uh, to keep it real simple here, imagine there's air moving up from the south, we get the winds out of the south. We talk about it all the time during the newscast. Hey, winds are out of the south. Warmer air is going to come. Advection is the thought that you have air in the Gulf of Mexico and it moves horizontally to the north through the Ohio Valley and into our region. Um, so we were seeing good indications of that. And a lot of times that will actually help our temperatures more than just sunshine will all day. So we saw that. We saw that coming into play. We had uh, partly cloudy skies, winds out of the south. We warmed up pretty quickly. Didn't quite make 52 here in Fort Wayne. We got to 50, uh, but we did see low to mid-50s just a few counties south. You go 20, 25 minutes south of here, and we did see those kind of temperatures. So felt like it was a pretty good weekend. Yeah, and just for reference on just how strong that warm air advection was, places like St. Louis got all the way up to 70 degrees. Evansville and even Indy were pushing up near 60. Yeah, if we're not going to have the the cold winter— Let's get let's start cooking. Yeah, let's start getting 
temperatures to where we can start wearing some shorts and not have to bundle up every time we have I've had my go. shorts out already this year. I have to. I took I them to the to. bowling alley last week. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be quite a whole bunch of shorts yet. We're still looking at temperatures in the 50s. It can get a little chilly in the evening. I had shorts at Kroger the other day. <laughs> I actually, I I wore my basketball shorts uh, to the grocery store the other day. Yeah, it was right after the gym. boy. Yep. boy. So our miss this week. Yeah, our miss was, we were calling for a mostly dry week, uh, but at the time of this recording, there's a little bit of mixed precipitation out there. And we even saw some scattered showers our Tuesday afternoon uh, develop as a couple what we call short waves work their way through. And those are challenging things to pick up on a couple days out in the forecast. So when we're forecasting on Saturday and Sunday, we're seeing more long waves, the long wave patterns, the longer term patterns. But inside of these waves, if you imagine like little sound waves, you have those longer waves for lo- longer noises, but then you have little interruptions in those. Those are little short waves that we have kind of in the, in the amplitude of those waves for the weather patterns. So we've had a couple of those short waves move through, and we've had just enough moisture out there to give us these precipitation chances. Yeah, you know, we were at the Home and Garden Show. I was out there all four days, and we had our mobile green screen out there where we were showing the 10-day forecast. Thursday and Friday, the 10-day forecast was showing chances for precipitation through midweek. And, in fact, we had it on Saturday, too. We we had a chance in there for Tuesday. It was very small, though. Very small. And by the time we got to Sunday, it was looking really dry for both of us. And then uh, by the time, I think, Nicholas really got in Monday... Monday evening, things started to look a bit more wet. Still not complete washouts by any means. Just these little waves coming through with a couple hours of showers. So we'll call it a miss for sure. Um, And we'll try to do a little better next time. And and those little showers gave some beautiful images of rainbows after they passed yesterday afternoon. And we had a little bit of hail mixed in. Yes, we did. They had just enough instability in there. Can you tell me why there was hail yesterday? Well, because we have temperatures changing at different levels. I think a lot of it has to do with this being an early season event too. Yeah. Temperatures much colder aloft than maybe they would even be. Well, that's what I was getting. Yeah. Right. In the summer. So you have, so hail, it has to be freezing, right? So if you take the temperatures in the atmosphere and you go from the ground up, it's going to be much colder above where we are. 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20,000 feet up. It gets colder generally. Um, In a case like the spring, you're still looking at air masses that are coming through that are more winter-like. So it's much colder in the atmosphere. So when we get these thunder shower type systems to come through, kind of a the proper term is convection, but uh, try to stay away from the sciencey terms here. <laughs> um, you kind of you're able to tap into the really cold air up there. Thus, the chance for some small hail was likely, and we saw some pea-sized hail yesterday. I saw it down on the southwest side. We had a report of it in Huntertown. So weather's wild, man. Yeah, we're getting to that time of year, and there's no way we could predict that there was going to be pea-sized hail yesterday. Four days ago. No, that's not a, at all. That's what we call a mesoscale or a short-term forecast, something that happens locally from one little storm that fires up versus, like we're, Adam's talking about, we look at the long-term weather patterns and then we fill in the cracks as we get closer. Exactly. All right, and we've had a little bit of a theme of uh, severe weather, so let's head over to our viewer question, which deals with that. It's the past the Forecast Inbox. Joe, Lisa wants to know, do you expect a bad, severe weather outbreak this year? Well, Lisa, you know, we live in a place where severe weather is 110% in the cards. Yes. It can happen 
tomorrow. We're in the month of March. It's happened before in February. And it could happen any month, really. Uh, We've had severe weather in November. Really, it seems as though December and January, we have the wintry severe weather. Uh, But any month from, from really now through October, November, that type of severe weather from thunderstorms is in play. Do I expect a bad severe weather outbreak? You can't tell that out right now. You can't tell that right now. But because of where we live and what history has shown us, the potential is there for a severe weather outbreak. Look at Memorial Day last year. Memorial Day weekend, we had the signals there the day before that we could have a severe weather event the next day. But Sunday morning, there was no indication that we were going to see a widespread tornado outbreak stretching from eastern Iowa all the way into Ohio. And even beyond through there, there were severe weather reports. That was, for reference, the Dayton tornado, the Salina tornado. Uh, A lot of tornadoes back to the west, too. We also had one in Grant County. I went down there uh, the day after uh, Memorial Day. Correct. Funny day for me, I was actually home in Dyer that day back in uh, southeast side of Chicagoland, northwest Indiana. We had a tornado a mile from my house. So that was a wild day. That was something that even 36 hours before, you know, you saw the pieces there that this could be an active day. What I'm trying to say here is, yes, the potential is always there for a severe weather outbreak, but we won't know that until we get closer to an actual weather system sliding through. It's not really until we get, say, five days out that we really start to circle and highlight certain days because we need certain things for severe weather. We need moisture, lift, instability, and shear. Shear, we need all those things to line up. And shear in the atmosphere is is different wind speeds at different levels or different directions. So it gives a little bit of a spin to some of your supercell tornado or supercell thunderstorms that could produce uh, tornadoes. So we have to have all those things line up at different levels in the atmosphere, kind of all at once. The good news is is that we can see them start to line up days in advance most of the time, and we can give you a heads up. That's why we show you what we, what we have the convective outlooks for from the Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, and uh, we see this time and time again. Let's talk about Nashville as part of that question. Nashville, when they woke up that morning, portions of the state were under a slight risk for severe thunderstorms. That's a level two out of five. Again, we talk about those risks. Marginal, slight, enhanced, moderate, and high. That morning, they were under a 2 out of 5 for portions of the state, not the Nashville area. As the day progressed, the Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma, as Adam said. We love to say that. For some reason, that just feels so good. It has to say Norman. It feels so good to say that. (laughs) Storm Prediction Center in Norman, Oklahoma. It just feels official. And I think a lot of meteorologists would love to spend a day there in their shoes getting to forecast severe weather. But, yeah, so they woke up that morning, and, and throughout the day, the SPC kind of expanded their outlook to include Nashville in that slight risk. But again, that was all a day one, as we call it, a day one thing. That happened the afternoon of, and then by late that evening into the overnight hours, they had severe weather there. I would not necessarily call that an outbreak. That was more of an isolated severe weather event. But you got to decide for yourself, you know, if you're asking, do you expect a severe weather outbreak this year? 
if we have three tornadoes through our viewing area. Yeah, what do you it, it, d- definitions vary? They're going to vary here compared to what they would see in Mississippi, Alabama, and from a national scale. Yeah, from a national scale. So if you if you look at a day like April, help me out, two thousand eleven, twenty seventh. Sounds about right. April twenty yes. seventh. Yeah. Insane tornado outbreak that stretched over a few days. The twenty seventh being the the biggest of of it all. I mean, I think it's over two hundred tornadoes or something occurred there on that day. Um, that was I, a Tuscaloosa one, right? Yeah. Yeah, I actually I did a story on that in high school. We had somebody that was down there. They went to the University of Alabama. At a boy. Yeah, no, that's a day that we all kind of look back on yeah. and say, "Oh my goodness!" I mean, everything just came together perfectly. That is a national outbreak. But for us here, Memorial Day, we had a couple of tornadoes across our area. We'd probably consider that an outbreak. Exactly, and that's why we always say to have a way to get severe weather information days in advance. It'll help you out down the road. Yeah, so whether or not we expect a bad severe weather outbreak, we know it's in the cards. We know coming to work on a day when we have to forecast things we need to start looking for in the springtime and the summertime versus things we look for differently in the winter. Just be prepared. Just be prepared for anything. Stay tuned to us here at Wayne 15. Have that weather app because Mother Nature and changing. always changing. Yes, Always changing. All right, well, we'll see you next time as we try and be 17% right about the weather this week. Just 17%. Think about that. (laughs) This has been Past the Forecast Podcast from Wayne 15.